0: we're here in your presence this morning as broken people that you have died for, that you have redeemed our souls, that God, as life is good or as life is bad, we come to you as we are, and we want to sing like Job did, blessed be the name of the Lord that you give and you take away, but we will say, blessed be the name of the Lord that you love us in the midst of life, God, and so we're in your presence here now. Sinners saved by grace. So, Lord, we receive that grace and your freedom. I pray that in the Holy Spirit there would be freedom here today in the name of Jesus. We love you, Lord. Blessed be your name. Take a moment and think back to your childhood. Driving around to see Christmas lights, decorating the tree, waking up on Christmas morning stockings hanging stuffed with goodies smiles on everyone's faces dinner with your family wrapping all the presents but to many children all over the world joy of christmas and the love of god something they have never experienced but this year christmas could be different Their prayers can be answered just in a small box. Give the kid a piece of Christmas. Okay.
1: It's hope they can feel the love of God. Pure love and joy.
0: Excited, joyful, just surprised at what's in there for you. Thank, you. thank you, thank you, thank you, thank
2: you, thank you. Hi, good morning. If you all came in this morning, you saw we have now over a hundred shoeboxes put together out there, waiting to be taken home with you guys. And I have even more to be folded, like 200 more. So (laughs) we have a lot of shoeboxes available to go home with everybody this year to be filled uh, with great gifts uh, to send out to uh, so many kids all around the world. Um, I have a couple numbers, which I'm going to lose. Last year... 2014 and 15 operation Christmas child delivered over 10 million shoeboxes to children in over a hundred countries last year and uh, we want to help send just as many if not more out this year a couple things that I found out a couple weeks ago uh, a couple needs specific needs for shoeboxes we need, there's a need for more balanced boxes, so if you pick up a box and you're wondering what to put in it, go through this list that's on, or on your seats. There's a couple items on there. Also in the brochures with the tags on them, they have a list that's a little more specific about what to put in a box and what to not pack in a box. So they're looking for more well-rounded boxes that have a variety of items in them, and also a good wow item, an item that the kid might open the box and go, oh my goodness, it's a teddy bear just for me, and it's a good quality teddy bear, stuff like that. They're also finding uh, boxes that um, don't have much in them at all up in the processing center, so they're having, they're just wanting more filled, packed shoe boxes. Um, another thing is boxes for older kids. A lot of times we will grab boxes and we, we want to get the cute little things for the babies or the, the two, two to four-year-olds or the little ones because they're maybe they're easier to shop for. But they have a shortage of boxes for the older kids. And so this year we're going to pick up a box for each of my girls to fill and they can pick out the, the age that they want to do. But then... I'm going to purposely pick out a box to fill for um, an older child and they really need some for boys, so older boys. And then a third thing that they would, could really use is donations for shipping costs. So if, um, it's, if your schedule's crazy busy and you don't have time to get out and shop for the little things to put in shoeboxes or to fill a shoebox um, or you just you don't know what to put in there, um, consider maybe just donating money towards shipping costs to get more of these boxes out and to just cover that, that cost. Sometimes um, boxes will show up and there's not the $7 check included in it. So uh, consider uh, just donating towards shipping costs too. So we will have boxes available until the week, well, even the week of, uh, the week before collection day, which is November 15th. And uh, you can pick them up anytime and bring them back anytime. You can bring them back this week, next week, all the way up until the 15th. And then we will take them uh, to the uh, donation center here in Urbandale. And then if you have any questions, please ask me. And I think that's it. So thank you so much. And uh, we're looking forward to another round of this. It's very exciting. Thank you.
0: Thank you, Carrie. What's our goal? What do we, what what do we, you say? We
2: have over 300 boxes available. Yep. Ask your neighbors, tell your neighbors about shoeboxes. Tell your family, your extended family about shoeboxes. I don't care if all 300 boxes don't come back to Creekside. If you send them out, there are, um, my in-laws live in Atlantic. They're taking a couple boxes with them to Atlantic, and then they're turning them in uh, at a church that collects them in Atlantic. So, if you have friends and family all around um, and you want to tell them, oh, here, I picked up a couple shoeboxes for you, give them to your family members um, and then have them turn them in in a donation center close to their house. And those places you can find online um, at Operation Christmas Child or Samaritan's Purse um, for those locations. So, thank you.
1: Awesome. Thank you. That'll be great. God, we pray that uh, your word would speak to us today, uh, God, that we would be challenged uh, in, in how we live our lives now can, it can impact eternity. Uh, so God, um, help us to realize uh, the gifts you've given us, help us to realize the, the calling on our lives, and God, help us to live a life worthy of the calling uh, we've received. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. Go ahead and have a seat. Uh, we are ending our series on family ties, and this morning we're talking about a legacy worth leaving. Now I want to share one verse with you. It's 1 Corinthians 9.24. It says, Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way as to get the prize. Now, I, I'm uh, admittedly not much of a runner, Uh, which shocks a lot of people. Most people look at me like, man, surely that guy's a long distance runner. He's skinny, you can see his ribs, those kind of things uh, from long distance runners. Typically it's like that. So I've not spent a lot of time running. My my claim to fame for running was in sixth grade, and all the elementary schools came together. I had my my spandex on. I like black spandex with a pink little stripe, pink shirt, and on that day, on that day I was victorious. So that was a a good day back in sixth grade as me and Three of my buddies took out another from another school. So that's my claim to fame as far as, as racing. I'm sure you've heard the story. But uh, it's, a, um, it's not something, you know, the, the whole racing thing is not something uh, that, that I do a lot of. But you understand what, what Paul's trying to say here, right? That, that we are all, we are all part of this race. We are all running this race. We're all living this life. And we are to live this life, run this race in such a way that's worthy to get the prize. This is the calling that God has on our lives. That, Hey, listen, we're all, we're all going about it. We're all living our lives. We're all going to run this race. Now do it in such a way as to get the prize. I, uh, I think it's important as we think about this concept of running the race, this prize. I, I think it's important for us to always kind of sit back and reflect. And as we talk about today, a legacy, leaving a legacy worth, well, somewhere I screwed that up because I wouldn't be leaving twice. Mike wouldn't do that. What is it, Mike? Yeah, legacy worth leaving, thank you. A legacy worth leaving. As we think about that, and any time we think about legacy, it's always a time for us to sit back and reflect, isn't it? To think about our own lives to reflect on our own lives. And, and many people, if you've ever done this, but whether it be at a funeral, it causes you to think about your own life, causes you to think about your activities, think about the way in which you live your life. Uh, some people will even go and th- as you walk around um, a cemetery, right? I don't know if you've ever done this, but, but I think of certain times in my life where I've been at a crossroads in my life, and I've done that as a point of reflection because it reminds us how quick this life is. That it's but a, but a mist, but a vapor. And so you can often go around and you see the different, you know, the headstones, st- the tombstones, and you can see what, what people and how they live their life. And it causes you to kind of think about your own legacy. And also it also caused me to think about this, uh, this person. Deep tight, Marshall? Nope. Any last words? Nope. What do you want on your tombstone? Pepperoni and cheese. You remember that, right? What do you want on your tombstone? And and as I think about my my legacy, as I think about this this legacy worth leaving, this is something we want to reflect on. How do I want to be remembered? Cuz that's what he's saying. You know, when we think about our headstone, we think about our tombstone. You can go out and you can see many things. Oh, this guy was a, you know, a Cubs fan. Or this guy you know, like to fly kites. I, I doubt that's on a tombstone. But, you know, it's uh, something like that, of what they enjoyed or what was meaningful to their life. I saw a few of them this week that I thought were pretty good. Here is one. Died from not forwarding that text message to 10 people. Right? <laughs> You've all got that email. Forward it on, you're going to die. Second one, uh, this is Joel. Uh, he, this is at last a hole-in-one. All right, finally, he got that hole-in-one he would longed for his whole life. Uh, here lies Henry Blake, he stepped on the gas instead of the brake. So, and then uh, w- one more here from William, I told you that I was sick, All right, so he got the last word. But your tombstone, your headstone, people reminded of what was meaningful in their life. And so as we would we, even look at any kind of tombstone or any kind of headstone here, there's several things on it, right? You see the person's name, their name is on it, we know that. We see oftentimes a message, in this case, I told you I was sick, or whatever the message might be that they want to reflect on what was important on their lives. And then we'll see some dates, in this case, 1905 to 1980, the dates in which they live. Ecclesiastes 3.2 says, there is a time to be born and there is a time to die. Hebrews 9.27, just as a man is destined to die once. It's important as we think about legacy and the the type of legacy we want to leave that we reflect on our life, that we look back on our life and we understand life is fleeting, it's short. And do we understand that? This was a great quote. Uh, Intellectually, we all know that we will die, but we do not really know it in the sense that the knowledge becomes part of us. We do not really know it in the sense of living as though it were true. On the contrary, we tend to live as though our lives would go on forever. Right? This idea, this concept that uh, one day our life is going to end, it's going to be over. It doesn't really hit most of us until we get to the end. And we live our lives and we go about uh, our daily beings and we just kind of do our thing with no reflection of the legacy, of no reflection that this life is but a vapor of no reflection that what we do today impacts eternity, has an impact on that. So there, there's one more piece that you see on this. So we've got the dates, we've got the name, we've got the message, but there's one more little piece. When I look at a tombstone, this individual lived from 1856 to 1931, and on it we see there's a point of a man time for a man to be born and a time to die. And in between that, we see the life. That dash, that line, representing our time on earth. And so this morning, we want to look at that. And the question for us is, is what, do we, what do we do with that time? What kind of life do we live? What kind of race do we run? Do we, do we run the race in such a way as to get the price? Do we live our lives in such a way that is worthy of the gospel we've received? That's the dash. That's the line. What do we do with that time? Uh, my, my boy Gandalf says it a little better than me.
0: I wish the ring had never come to me. I wish none of this had happened. So do all who live to see such times, but that is not for them to decide. All we have to decide is what to do with the time that is given to us.
1: All we have to do to decide is what to do with the time that has been given to us. I love that line, right? We, we can't control, we can't control. You go back to there, we can't control when we we're born. We can't control when we die. What we have to do Is decide what are we going to do with the dash what are we going to do with the race that we are running what are we going to do with the time that has been given to us i want you to know this as we look at a couple verses here god has planned and god has predestined great things for us to do in this world to impact his kingdom and to impact eternity Paul says in Galatians 1.15, he says, But when God, who set me apart from birth and called me by his grace. I love that. Paul recognizing from his birth, God set him apart by his grace. And then Ephesians 2.10, For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. God has created us for good works. God has God has. A mission for us. God has a purpose and a plan for our lives that he's created us. He, he has set us apart from, his birth, from birth. He has created in advance good works for us to do. And so as we reflect on our legacies, we reflect on this race that we run, this dash, the question is, do we live a life worthy of the calling we've received? Do we run in such a way as to get the prize? That's what we want to, we want to dwell on. We, we can't control, right, we can't control the beginning, we can't control the end. You know, as I look and I, I reflect on what my tombstone may say, I know it's going to say 1977 to, I don't want to throw a year out there, uh, I might be a prophet and I, I don't want to go down that road. So, 1977 to whatever, and then there's that line, there's that life that was lived, and then what? What do they say about Kyle Clarkson? What do they say about my life? You know, that, he, he was a good guy. You know, he kind of liked the Royals and the Cyclones. You know, that, that was cool. No, w- what kind of impact, what kind of race am I going to run that would impact this world now, but into all eternity? And that's the question that we want to ask. I, I want to do this. As, as I reflect on this, I, I, the, the, the dash, the race, what kind of life we might want to live, I want to look at three kings in the Old Testament. Because as we look at these three kings, each tell us, each kind of represent a different life that was lived. Okay, so we're going to look at three kings in the Old Testament. Uh, the first one is King Asa. And if you would turn, to, you don't have to turn there, but if you turn to 2 Chronicles, you can read about King Asa. In 2 Chronicles chapters 14 through 16, it's going to tell you about this King Asa. Now, King Asa, here's a few things we know about King Asa. One, he did what was right in the eyes of the Lord. There's a great tombstone, right? At the end of my life, if somebody would say that about me, what an awesome thing. He did what was right in the eyes of the Lord. Great way to live my life. What else is said about King Asa? It says he commanded the people to follow God. That's awesome. King Asa himself... Did what was right in the eyes of the Lord, but he commanded the people to do the same. I think this is a great reflection for us as we look at where God has put us in our life. Whether it be leaders within the church, leaders at work, leaders amongst friends, leaders in your family. I can pretty much guarantee that everybody in some form or fashion has been given some area of leadership. So the question now becomes, is what is Nick coming up? This thing, okay. Did I say something? that? Well, I can't get my arms going if I do. Okay. Can you, is that good? Do you want me to shut this off then? Is it because of the buzzing? So let's, uh, let's continue. Where are we at? King Asa. All right. So King Asa, he commanded the people to follow God. Now i got to remember what I was saying. He commanded the people to follow God. So wherever God has put us in our lives... In some form or fashion, you're probably in some area of leadership. You scale it all the way down to our family. And what I love about this is King Aces. remember, as a guy who commanded the people to follow God. So as I reflect in my life, whether it be leadership within the church or my family or wherever it might be, I want to be somebody who encourages and challenges my my kids, this church, that we would follow and that we would pursue the almighty God. That what we would be about, the things that we would do, would impact the kingdom. The, that's going to be tough. I get two hands now. The, the, the last thing that's said uh, about King Asa is that he rid Judah of all other gods they worshipped. And so part of the problem here is that they had created the other, these other gods that they began to worship. And I think for Asa and for us as well, as we think about commanding the people to follow God... This is one of the things, that we would rid other idols from our life. My wife tries to do this on a daily basis with my cell phone. You know, I keep it right in front of me all the time, tries to take it away from me. We're battling that still. You kind of know how it goes. But what are other idols that may be in our life? You know, part of leadership for me within my family, with, amongst my friends, and what are the things that are taking the place of God? Because that's, that's what an idol is. What is taking the place of God in my life? And there are so many things that, that in and of themselves are good things. But they become really more important than God to me. And so we want to be people who challenge in our family and our friendships in this church. You know, how, how do we rid idols from our life? So King Asa, a lot of great things said about him. But I want to look also at the end of King Asa's life. So at the end of his life, here's what's said about King Asa. And you can go to chapter 16. You can see some of these things. It's said about King Asa that he no longer relied on God. At one time, he did what was right in the eyes of the Lord. He commanded the people. But now, towards the end of his life, he no longer relied on God. He oppressed the people. So here, King Asa, once a person who commanded people to follow God, led by example in his own life of what it looked like to pursue God, now oppressing the people. And then at the end of his life, it said he was afflicted with a disease in his feet. And it said even in his sickness, he did not seek help from the Lord, but only from physicians. So a man who had trusted God, who had relied on God, who had pursued God, who had challenged and encouraged people to do the same, now at the end of his life, no longer did it. My my uncle Jim, who is my, my mom's youngest brother, uh, he said to me one time, he says, Kyle, you know what? My grandkids, they're not going to remember me when I was a young man, right? When, when I was this strapping young man, probably much like I am today. But, you know, with you know, the whole world in front of me here, it, all the energy, all of this that I had, they're going to remember me now. And so, so what kind of legacy, what kind of example, as they look to me, are they going to see? You know, as you look at King Asa's life, here is a man, yeah, he, he did some, some great things in his life. He commanded the people to follow God. He rid the nation of idols. He himself relied on God. But at the end of his days, he no longer did it. And my words from my Uncle Jim were, were a great reminder. You know, th- this, is, this is a race. If we go back to the beginning, it, it's not a little sprint, it's a marathon. With perseverance, we run the race. So, yeah, great that King Asa impacted the world around him for the kingdom of God early in his life. But what's even more important is how do we finish? How do we finish? And this is a challenge for an older generation that would be in our church today. Is how do we finish? Because you know what? Your grandkids, they didn't know you when you were a young person. They didn't know you then. But they know you now. They see you now. How you live your life now is going to impact them. So for, for a guy like my Uncle Jim, he's heavily involved in his church. He serves in the church. He's at the church often. He's leading small groups. He's involved in small groups. They see him live this life out. And what an example it is. A couple verses I want to share with you. Hebrews 12, run 1, as I just said, Let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Right? It's not a sprint. It's a marathon run with perseverance. King Asa appears like he sprinted, and then all of a sudden, no more. 2 uh, Timothy 4.7 says, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Now there is a statement, another tombstone right there. Put that on your tombstone. Well, hopefully you can. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. I told you the story about my grandpa, and my grandpa passed away now uh, a couple years ago, and, and the last week I was li- with him, the last time that he could really kind of talk to me, okay, he was kind of coherent, and he could kind of talk to me, and I was in there talking about him, and we were doing a series at the time in Malachi, and I began to talk to him about this series in Malachi that we were doing, and then you could see the excitement. Here he is, days away from passing away, and, and we kind of all knew it at this time, and here he is, he's getting all excited. He, he goes and he kind of grabs his Bible as best he can and he opens up and within his Bible he starts to point out, not talking, but just kind of pointing to all these notes he had recently taken as he was studying Malachi. Here he is now in his 90s and you know, a guy who has studied the Bible for some 70 years, but still, 70 years still excited about what God was showing him in his word in the book of Malachi. And he shows me, and he's pointing out these different notes. And you, you couldn't read his handwriting when he was 20, and you sure couldn't read it when he was 90. But he, he's trying to point out things that, that right in there that you could see. And he was so excited what he was learning in the book of Malachi. And then as I was getting ready to leave, he kind of mustered up a few more words, and he starts pointing at me like Lou would often do, you know, pointing at you. And he just, as, as best as he could say, he'd say, keep preaching keep preaching. Within a couple days, he died. But what well, that's a legacy, isn't it? That is finishing the race. That is keeping the faith. That is finishing strong. Keep preaching. In the word, keep on, keep after it. That, that, that's a legacy worth leaving. King Asa didn't necessarily leave that kind of legacy now we read back and we see some cool things about him but the next king i want to show you was his grandson and i had talked about my uncle jim well my uncle jim now you know a grandfather and you can talk about the kind and my own grandfather the type of legacy that you can pass on to your grandkids well jehoram a king he took over 16 years right around there after asa had died so I don't know if he knew his grandpa. He surely knew a lot about him. He may have been alive in the end years when King Asa necessarily didn't finish well. But let me, let me tell you about what is said about King Jehoram. King Jehoram, that's the best picture I could find, but he did not walk in the ways of Asa. So I still think that's cool. Asa still remembered as a man who followed God, even though he didn't finish strong. He did not walk in the ways of Asa. Did evil in the eyes of the Lord. This is 2 Chronicles chapter 21, if you want to go read about him. He did evil in the eyes of the Lord. And he passed away, this is a quote, he passed away to no one's regret. He passed away to no one's regret. The message remix says this there were no tears shed when he died. It was good riddance. You talk about a legacy not worth leaving. Talk about being remembered like that. Uh, you know, you think about a tombstone for him. No one was sorry he died. N- not how you want to be remembered, is it? Now, I, I think it's important here that I, I don't want you to, to, to hear this and, and look at a life like Asen, look at, at one uh, like Jehoram and say, okay, as long as I do good, as long as I impact and you know, maybe I give some money, I take care of the poor, I do these things. Because the message in the gospel of Jesus Christ is not about doing good. The message of Jesus Christ is it's about the cross. It's about what God has done for us. The Bible tells us that no one is good. We're all like Jehoram. We have all fallen short. We have all sinned. We have all failed. This is the message of the Bible. But the message of the gospel tells us, Jesus, because we have failed, because we have fallen short, Jesus has stepped in. Jesus has taken our place. And now because of the finished work of the cross, when God looks at us, man, he sees his son Jesus. He doesn't see people like Jehoram, and I failed, I made mistakes, but he sees his son Jesus. So the the thing I want you to grasp this morning as we talk about running the race, living a life worthy of the calling, living that, that dash out in such a way that impacts the world around us, it has nothing to do with ourselves. It has everything to do with what God has done for us in his son Jesus. And you know what? The only thing you ever need on your tombstone was simply, he knew Jesus. Because that is all that matters in this life. You want to impact, you want to make a difference in the world, this is where it begins. I was reading a Facebook post even this morning, and uh, many of you know Sean Swigman. Sean's mother passed away, and he was recalling her life and the impact he had, but he said, you know, the greatest moment was six months ago when she surrendered her life to Jesus. She gave her life to Jesus. Because when all is said and done, And this life is over, that is the one thing that we're going to have to answer for. What did we do with Jesus? And so as we talk this morning, I just want to make it perfectly clear that it's not about doing good. It's not about ridding these idols of our lives, but it's about knowing Jesus. And when you have a relationship with Jesus and he has transformed our lives, you know what happens? These other things start taking place. And we start living a life worthy of the calling. And we start running a race in order to get the prize because of what Jesus has done for us. The last king I want to look at is King Josiah. And you would go all the way to 2 Chronicles, Uh, I think it's 31, 34, somewhere in that ballpark. But King Josiah, now Alan talked about last week how he struggled bringing his daughter home from the hospital. He was all nervous. I want you to imagine a second if, if Alan's kid was Josiah. He became king when he was eight. Alan would be freaking out over there if his, one of his daughters became king or queen. But eight, eight years old, Josiah became king. What is awesome about Josiah is here's here's some things said about him. Did what was right in the eyes of the Lord and walked in the ways of his father, not turning to the right or to the left. Now, unlike Asa, there's nothing said at the end of his life about how, you know, now he's relying on himself. He oppressed the people. Eight years old. From the time he was eight, he becomes king for his life. He did what was right in the eyes of the Lord, walked in the ways of his father, not turning to the right and the left. Much like the language Jesus uses when Jesus talks about, hey, you know what? You got to leave your, your father and mother. You got to leave your family to follow me. And it had nothing to do with, okay, forgetting your, nothing to do with your family, but everything to do with your desire to follow the kingdom of God, your pursuit of Jesus above anything else, that everything else takes a back seat. Nothing else is important in comparison to my pursuit of the kingdom of God, to my pursuit of Jesus. This was the type of life that josiah lived it's the type of life that we are called to live that in comparison to our love for jesus and the pursuit of god's kingdom everything else pales in comparison it doesn't mean that i can't pursue a living and you know work and family and all these things those are all good things but in comparison to my love for jesus man, they should pale should be pale in comparison this is the type of life that josiah lived It's also said about Josiah that he found the book of the law and he wanted people to follow it. So he finds the law, he finds the way in which they were supposed to follow God, live their lives according to the law. And he, again, much like Asa, challenged and encouraged and commanded the people to do it. Here's how we should live our lives, now let's do it. And I I love this statement. This is a quote straight from there. As long as he lived... They did not fail to follow the Lord, the God of their fathers. As long as Josiah lived, the people did not fail to follow God. Now, that's a legacy, isn't it? As long as Josiah lived, the people as well followed God. Josiah himself followed God. Josiah did not turn from the right or the left. And because of his leadership, because of of the life that he lived, the people in response followed God. What, what an awesome thing, isn't it? That you know, much like the legacy my grandfather lived, much like other legacies lived, because they pursued God, it had an impact on their kids, their grandkids, and generations to come. That's the type of legacy we want to live. I, I want to read you about Jonathan Edwards. This is his, that he lived. I thought it was a cool story I read this week. Uh, and it, it, it kind of compares two lives, one of Jonathan Edwards, the great preacher, and one of uh, you know, some, some guy named Max Jukes. So here's the story. It said, American educator and pastor A.E. Winship decided to trace out the descendants of Jonathan Edwards almost 150 years after his death. His findings are astounding, especially when compared to a man named Max Jukes. Juke's legacy came to the forefront when the family tree of 42 different men in the New York prison system traced back to him. Jonathan Edwards' godly legacy includes one U.S. vice president, three U.S. senators, three governors, three mayors, 13 college presidents, 30 judges, 65 professors, 80 public office holders, 100 lawyers, and 100 missionaries from the line of Jonathan Edwards. Max Jukes' descendants included seven murderers, 60 thieves, 50 women of debauchery, 130 other convicts, 310 paupers with over 2,300 years lived in poorhouses, 400 who were physically wrecked by indulgent living. It was estimated that Max Jukes' descendants cost the state more than $1.2 million. This is a powerful example of how a parent's leadership can have a profound effect on their children. The lives we live before other people, whether it be family, friends, whoever else, has a lasting impact. What an incredible testament to the life that he lived. That for generations to come, they followed God because of his life. Josiah, much the same way. I forgot my picture of Jonathan Edwards. There it is. I know you wanted to see it. So, the Jonathan Edwards. But Josiah lived his life the same way. And so the question then becomes for us, how do we run the race? How do we live out that dash? What do we do with the time that has been given to us? Do we leave a legacy, a legacy worth leaving? I I think it's important to note that much like Jonathan Edwards, much like Josiah, the life that we live now Will have an impact for years to come, an impact into all eternity. Uh, My buddy Maximus says it best here. What we do in life? Maybe. Echoes in eternity. Well, we missed the line, but it was a good one. What we do in life echoes into eternity. What we do in life echoes in eternity. You know what, the life of Josiah, the life of Jonathan Edwards impacts generations to come, but the biggest impact we can have are what we do, the decision we do with Jesus, the lives we impact for all eternity. People coming to know Jesus, people surrendering their lives at the, feet of, at the foot of the cross, at the feet of Jesus. This is the kind of impact we want to have, an impact that will echo into all eternity. Let's pray together. God, we thank you. We thank you for this series. We thank you that, God, we've been called to live a life worthy of the calling. We've received, God, that we've been called to run this race with perseverance, to run in such a way as to get the prize. God, that, that we are to remember that our lives are but a vapor, that our lives are short, and God, how we live should be a reflection of that. God, most importantly as we sit here this morning god we we want we want to know jesus and god we know there are people in this room that they don't know and have a relationship with jesus and they could do all the good in the world but if they don't know jesus if at the end of their life it cannot be said this man knew jesus god there is nothing else that matters god this morning that you would speak to their hearts God, that you would speak to the hearts of everyone in this room. God, that we would live a life, that we would have a legacy worth leaving. God, that we can look at a life like Josiah or Jonathan Edwards or others who have come before us, that we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, those who have gone before us and followed you and pursued you and finished well. God is... Whether we are young or whether we are old, may we take account of this. God, may we reflect on this. May we look at the race. May we look at the dash. May we look at the time we've been given and live worthy of the calling. May we run in such a way as to get the prize. Thank you for Jesus. As we take the bread and the juice, we want to remember this incredible thing that he's done for us. God, that his body was broken and his blood was shed. God, that even this morning we sit here and if we don't know you, we don't know how to have a relationship with you, we can call out to you, we can ask for forgiveness, and we can surrender our lives to Jesus Christ. God, if we haven't done that, may we do that this morning. Because that's a legacy. That's a legacy worth leaving. This man, this woman, knew Jesus. Thank you for It's in his name we pray. four says now listen you who say today or tomorrow we will go to this or that city spend a year or there carrying on business and making money why you do not even know what will happen tomorrow what is your life you are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes a life is short listen I would tell you don't don't live for that dash but live the dash well May we pursue God with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength. Life is short. The question for us is what kind of legacy will we leave? My wife and I, uh, even last night talking, and a good friend of hers, a uh, college classmate, you know, uh, posted the other day on Facebook, and she has stage 3 cancer. And here she is just having her third child. Life is short. It's fleeting. It's here today, and it's gone tomorrow. May we live well. May we leave a legacy, a legacy of a pursuit of the kingdom of God. Let me pray, and then we will sing one more song together. God, we thank you for Jesus. God, we thank you for what you have done in your son, Jesus. God, may we run in such a way as to get the price. May we live our lives worthy of the calling. God, may we realize life is short, it's a mist. it's a vapor. Help us to live our lives with eternity on our hearts. We ask it in the name of Jesus.